Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poland. My name is Pat Poland, and I'll be with you today as we discuss Goldilocks and the three classes of multifamily real estate. Hi, everyone. This is Pat with Mara Poling. Today, we're going to be discussing the three classes of real estate, in particular, what we refer to as the Goldilocks class or class B. Previously, on our Eight Tips to Buy Right podcast, which, by the way, you can download the Eight Tips to Buy Right white paper at the Learning Center at marapolling.com. In that podcast, we talked about eight different tips to help you buy right or invest right in the right kind of multifamily real estate. One of the tips we discussed in that podcast was the different classes of real estate, A, B, C, and D. Today, we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into three of those classes. The reason we're not going to spend a lot of time on D, D-class real estate really is a different kind of investment. It doesn't fit a lot of the models that we discuss it's available in relatively low volumes, and it has a very different kind of exit than A, B, or C. We're going to focus today on A, B, and C classes of multifamily real estate. In order to talk about the value of A's versus B's, B's versus C's, C's versus A's, and so on, we need to spend a few minutes just clarifying what we mean by A-class real estate, B-class real estate, and C-class real estate. There is no hard and fast definition. As a matter of fact, if you ask 10 different people in commercial real estate what's A, B, and C in multifamily, you're going to get 5, 8, 10, maybe even more definitions for what A, B, and C are. This is how we tend to think about them. Class A's are what you really would describe as, and my age is showing here, it's the Cadillac class. This is the top of the line, uh, luxury apartment complexes, uh, very nice amenities. Uh, you're going to have resort-style pools, very high-end finishes, uh, granite, marble, those kinds of things in terms of interiors, large units. And you may have amenities like mixed use. So there may be restaurants, other services like uh, laundry or other kinds of activities garages, underground or covered parking, and there may even be concierge service or other amenities like that. A's also tend to be fairly new. As they age, uh, they'll eventually age potentially into B assets, although some assets are going to stay class A for an extended period of time uh, with some additional reinvestment. Let's skip over B's for a moment and talk about class C. Class C is what you would describe as working-class apartment complexes. Uh, Relatively little green space, primarily older complexes, uh, high densities, so lots of units packed into a small amount of space. There may be courtyards. uh, Most of it's going to be concrete. Parking's not covered. They're going to be located in uh, dense urban areas. And often you're going to find different kinds of infrastructure. So by that, I mean, instead of having central air, you may have wall-mounted air units. You may have a wall-mounted gas or electric heater, something in that, uh, in that uh, situation. And you're going to see fairly older interiors. 
So what's a class B? Well, class B obviously fits in the middle of those two. It's not quite as old as a class C. It's not as new as a class A. It's going to be what we would describe as sort of a garden-style uh, complex. That's certainly what we target. So more green space, not the amenities that an A has. You'll probably see things like pools and fitness centers, maybe a little business center. That's probably what the extent would be of amenities. 80s vintage, maybe newer, maybe older. Uh, we actually have another podcast where we talk about the size of, uh, of uh, complexes, uh, number of units, uh, and another podcast where we spend some time talking about infrastructure and the age of units. So that can give you a little more detail on it. But essentially think of B as this is the family apartment complex, right? So you have families, uh, working professionals. This is the, um, you know, this is the Buick class, right? So back to my Cadillac analogy, uh, you know, if we've got Chevys at the Class C, you know, this is where you're going to find the Buick Oldsmobile crowd, right? Uh, and I'm really dating myself with that analogy there. That gives you a rough idea of the differences between A's, B's, and C's. What we want to talk about today is the Goldilocks class. Think about the great story of Goldilocks, right? Uh, she gets to the little bear's cottage in the woods and... You know, the porridge is too hot and too cold and one's just right. And the chair's too big and too small and one is just right. And the bed's too hard, too soft, and one is just right, right? So that's the, that's the story we're not only familiar with as children, but we've probably all told to our kids. Well, A, B, and C real estate fit into that same kind of model. And so we want to talk about a handful of different factors that we look at when we compare those classes and why it is that that drives us to looking at class B as the Goldilocks class, the class that we think makes the most sense to invest in, not only for improved returns over time and how those can be optimized, but also for minimizing and moderating uh, exposure to risk. First, let's talk about returns. And in order to understand returns, we have to understand a little about pricing. So let's talk about Class B to start with. Class B real estate is going to have what you would describe as sort of the mid-level cap rate. Again, cap rate, for those of you that haven't had a chance to dive into some of our material on financials, cap rate is simply a simple way of looking at how much you pay for purchasing a dollar of net operating income. The more you pay, the lower the cap rate. The less you pay, the higher the cap rate. So it's an inverse relationship. Lower cap rates mean a higher price for the property. Higher cap rates mean a lower price. Class B, sort of in the middle, right? You have moderate cap rates, and you're buying uh, NOI for a mid kind of price. Class C, on the other hand, has higher cap rates. So you're paying less per dollar of NOI to buy a Class C asset than you are to buy a Class B. Class A, as you can imagine, is on the opposite end of that spectrum, where you've got low cap rates, meaning higher prices, so you're paying more per dollar of NOI. Well, how does that affect my return? Let's think about return for a minute. Return really fits into two categories from a financial standpoint. There are other elements, as, as we've discussed previously, when we think about the financials, we've got cash return, annual cash yield, 
cash over a five-year period of time or over the hold period. We think about cash that way. And we've got the growth in equity, the appreciation of the asset. Now, some of that appreciation comes from simply paying down the note. That isn't going to be affected by whether it's Class A, Class B, or Class C. Part of your note payment on a monthly basis is interest. Part of it is principal. That's going to be the same across the board. If you borrow the exact same amount of money for each of those assets, paid the same interest rate, you're going to have the same kind of payment, and you're going to get the same equity growth, raw dollar amount, from a uh, A to a B to a C. What's going to be different is... As you increase NOI, so if you add $1 of net operating income to a Class C, to a Class B, and to a Class A, you will get more value, more equity growth out of a Class A than you will out of a Class B, and a Class B will have more equity growth than a Class C. The reason for that is the leverage provided by the cap rate. So if we add a dollar to the Class C, because Class C's cost less per, uh, per dollar of NOI, you're going to get less equity growth. A Class B, because it costs a little more than a Class C, is going to give you a little more equity growth. A Class A is going to get you the most equity growth for that dollar of NOI growth that you can generate. So a Class A is going to give you a slightly better return from an equity standpoint Class B, a little more of a mid-level return, and Class C, a smaller equity growth return. Now let's think about the cash side of the equation. As we said, cash, whether this is annual cash or cash over a hold period, it's pretty simple for us to understand. We take the net operating income, so dollars come in in terms of rent, we have operating expenses that we pay, we're left with net operating income. We then subtract from that some reserves that we have uh, that the lender requires us to keep and the debt service. And after we subtract that debt service, we're going to be left with the actual cash that we can distribute out to investors. So let's look at the differences, again, between an A, a B, and a C. And we're going to start with the Class C this time and take a look at it. So a Class C asset, we're paying less per dollar of NOI than we are in Class B and Class A. We just discussed that. Because we're paying less, two things happen. Let's assume that we're using a 75% loan-to-value for Class C, for Class B, and Class A for each of these comparisons. When we use a 75% loan-to-value on a Class C, because we're paying less per dollar of NOI, we have to put less capital in because we're only putting in 25% of a smaller value. That allows us to have less capital that we spread the cash over. We also have a little more cash to spread because we take that NOI, as we said, we subtract some reserves that we are required to keep, and then we pay the debt service. Well, the debt service is going to be a little smaller, that note payment, because we paid less for the property relative to the NOI that we purchased. So we have not only have more total cash to actually distribute per dollar of NOI, we're spreading it over a smaller amount of capital that's been invested. So we're going to see a better cash return on a Class C. We move to a Class B. We're paying a little more for that asset because of the cap rate. Because we're paying a little bit more, the cash that's generated is spread over a little more equity that we had to put in in terms of raw dollars. 
and we have a little less cash to spread because our note payment is a little bit higher. When we move to Class A, now we're buying the most expensive property relative to the NOI, so we have to put the largest amount of capital in, and we're going to have the largest debt service, the largest note payment, because we've bought a most expensive property, again, relative to NOI, and our 75% LTV is going to give us a higher note payment. Let's stand back and look at that return model. So what we have for a Class A is we have a significant amount of equity growth that we can get relative to B and C because of the leverage the cap rate provides. So we're going to be a little more oriented towards equity growth and a little less towards cash because we're not getting as much cash per dollar of NOI as we do with the other two classes. Let's look at Class C. Class C has relatively modest or low even equity growth because we have a high cap rate. We don't get a lot of leverage on that equity growth. And we're getting a better cash return. So we're a little more oriented towards cash. Absolutely nothing wrong with either one of those. If that's the return profile you're looking for, then you should be looking either at investing in A's or investing in C's. One of the reasons we like B's and think it, again, we call it the Goldilocks class, is it really is a positive blend of both of those. There's good equity growth from NOI growth because we've got a reasonable cap rate. And at the same time, we're seeing a reasonable cash flow because we haven't paid too much for that dollar of NOI. And at the same time, we've got a modest amount of capital that we've deployed. Another item that impacts return is the ability to add value. It's a significant part of the model we use, and it's something we'd recommend that you certainly take a look at when you're thinking about making an investment. Again, whether you're investing with an asset manager like Mara Poling or purchasing a property that you're going to manage yourself. When we talk about value add, and again, we've got some material at the Learning Center at marapoling.com that can help you understand value adds, and we'd be happy to spend some time with you individually if you have even more detailed questions. When we talk about value adds, what we're talking about doing is purchasing an asset in which we can go in and make improvements that we can then translate into rent growth. We buy a property we put new landscaping in, we put new siding, we paint the exteriors, we can't charge more rent. Nobody's going to pay more rent because the building's got a fresh coat of paint on it. You might be able to drive some occupancy, get a few more people to come by and look at units, and potentially that ultimately gives you some uptick in rents. But that's different than, for example, doing a renovation of the unit where we put in new appliances, or for example, maybe we add microwaves to units that don't have microwaves, or put hard surface countertops instead of maybe older tile or older Formica countertops, new cabinets, newer plumbing fixtures, LED lighting, any of those sorts of things, which are going to improve the experience the tenant has and make us more competitive in the marketplace with other higher-end properties. We can do that in a value add because we've got properties that are 20 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old, in which there is an, absolutely an opportunity to go in and make those improvements and the market will value them. A class C certainly has the ability to have those improvements made. I mentioned earlier that many class C's may have uh, older infrastructure, for example, non-central uh, heat and air 
they may have shared uh, hot water. Uh, they may have uh, wall-mounted, uh, inefficient electric or gas heat. And those are all factors that we could make improvements to. The difference is the Class C marketplace, given the nature of the market itself, does not value those value adds the same way a Class B does. So we're going to get more bang for our buck in a Class B. Well, if we get more bang for our buck in a B versus a C, we must get a big bang for our buck in a Class A. And that would be true if Class A's actually had some place that you could add value. By definition, they don't. As we said in the very beginning when we described what a Class A looks like, Class A's are properties that have many amenities, very nice interior finishes. There really isn't a lot of room for us to go in and add value. Now, we may find an older Class A, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 15 years old, and some of the interior finishes are outdated, not necessarily inferior, right? So we're not talking about Formica countertops that we can go in and change out and put granite or some other high-end uh, 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 replacement in. We're talking about potentially, uh, for example, brass fixtures that you could change out to brushed nickel. That would absolutely update the unit and make it feel more fresh. You're not going to see a 10 or a 15% movement in rent because you've made that one particular change. So when we look at the ability to add value, and by adding value, that means we're growing rents, we grow rents, we're growing net operating income. We grow net operating income because of the cap rate math we talked about just a few moments ago. We add value. So class B, in addition to having a very nice blended return, which is one of the reasons, by the way, that we talk about total returns. This is two of the elements that are in total return, the cash yield as well as the equity growth. We think seeing those balanced is really positive. And in addition to that, you've got this opportunity to drive incremental value through a value-add program that you don't necessarily have in an A or a C. It could exist. It's much more likely to exist in a B. One more reason that we think Class B is the Goldilocks class. Another component that we want to look at is supply and demand. We've talked before about the amount of demand there is in the multifamily space in the A space, in the B space, in the C space, and so on. Let's look at the other side of the equation when we think about supply, the amount of supply that's out there. A's, and this is a great example for us to talk about, A's exist in a certain amount today, right? There are X number of units in the country and in the market that you may be looking to make an investment in. There is new development going on in the United States right now, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300,000 units a year, maybe a little bit less than that, but let's just use the number 300,000. The vast majority, and I won't give you an exact number, might be 200, might be 250, might be 275,000 of those are Class A units. And the reason they're Class A units is it costs a significant amount of money per unit to build a new unit more than it costs to go buy a Class B or a Class C. Well, for example, are you going to build a unit and it's going to cost, regardless of what class you're aiming for, if you're going to build just any unit and it's going to cost you $100,000 to build that unit, and I can go buy a Class B unit for $70,000 or a Class C unit for $50,000, 
Well, your $100,000 unit isn't going to be able to compete with the Class C or the Class B unit. It's not really any additional supply for either of those two classes. Well, if you're going to spend $100,000, why not spend a little bit more and put it right solid in the middle of that Class A space? And that's what we've actually seen. The vast majority of development, in particular over the last few years, has been in that Class A space. So Class A not only has great demand, like all of multifamily, it also has increasing supply. Well, if supply can move in concert with demand, you don't necessarily see changes in occupancy or rents. When we look at Class B and Class C, for that matter, in both of those situations, there's not a substantial amount of new inventory that comes online. As we said, there can be some from the aging out of A's down to B's or B's aging out down to C's. But generally speaking, the supply for each of those essentially is fixed. Well, if we have a fixed supply and growing demand, that's going to drive occupancy and rents. So that's a positive for B's and C's, again, because of the other factors we think that really makes B the place you want to look. Related to that is availability. Now, you might think for a moment that if I'm going to talk about the availability of B's, well, wait a minute, doesn't that work against what I just said about supply? Well, I said supply was stagnant, not that supply wasn't substantial in terms of its availability. And when you look at the marketplace in total, Class B is where a significant amount of the market exists from a supply standpoint. It also happens to be where a significant amount of the demand is. So that equilibrium, which we're actually not at equilibrium today, there is a shortage uh, across the entire spectrum, but in particular in Class B's. But if we just talk about it as though it were at equilibrium, the demand is growing. There is no new supply that's coming in. One of the things we like about the fact that there's a large amount of availability is that means that from an investment standpoint, there are many, many places that we can put our dollars, as opposed to if we're trying to buy in a, a class in which there is less availability and great interest from investors, then the supply-demand curve within that investment model actually means the prices are going to go up, which is going to drive cap rates down. We like Class B for that reason as well, that it's available in significant quantities. One more reason we like Class Bs and describe them as the Goldilocks class is what we would call stability. We've got a, uh, a podcast and some material on marpolling.com at the Learning Center around how to survive the coming recession. And the reason we describe it that way is if you're going to be a long investor in real estate, meaning you're not going to try and time the market, which I don't think can be done successfully, actually. But if you're going to be a long investor in real estate, you want to be in a position in which you're going to not just survive, but prosper during downturns, because that's just a natural part of what goes on in the economic cycle. We have growth, we have decline, we have recessions, and we have recoveries. And that cycle repeats over and over and over again. Now, we haven't had a recession since the significant recession, the Great Recession, whatever you want to call it, uh, back in 07 and 08. When we look at how you perform during a recession, what happens? All right, well, some tenants are going to have their hours cut back or their pay reduced, and some tenants are actually going to lose their jobs. Well, if that happens, those tenants aren't going to be able to pay rent and they're going to move out. 
That's true in class A, that's true in class B, that's true in class C. There's absolutely nothing different about the classes from that standpoint. Let's think for a moment, though, about what actually happens when that occurs. So you have a tenant that moves out of, for example, a class C, and they go and they move off. Maybe they move in with family, uh, move to another uh, locale to get a new job, something uh, like that. They're going to be replaced in that class C by a tenant from a class B. So one of our tenants that's had their hours cut back or whatnot, maybe they're going to get a roommate or some other situation and they're potentially going to move down to a class C. And likewise, a tenant that's been living in a class A and that may or may not have actually had the financial resources to truly live in that class A has now decided they need to cut back a little and save a few dollars or they've been forced to do that through some of the changes I just described. And so they've moved into our class B. So what we're experiencing in class B is a spike in vacancy followed by an immediate recovery in which we have class A tenants that move in. And not just class A tenants, but unfortunately, there'll be some homeowners that will lose their homes during this time frame. Many of them will go rent single-family homes. They're used to living in a home that's where they want to live. Not all will do that. There will be a certain amount that will move into apartment-style housing. They're not going to move into class A's. They really aren't going to be interested in moving into class C's. If they can avoid it, they're going to be looking at class B's. So that gives us some additional cushion. What we see is a spike in vacancy and then a recovery. And if you look at every one of our properties that we've invested in, and we think this is a good model for everyone to be looking at, is look at the historic vacancy for your particular asset that you're investing in uh, again, if you're working with a firm like Mara Poling, or if you're making an, an investment on your own in a smaller property, look at least what that market has performed like. What we believe you'll see is, if you're looking in that Class B space, is you'll see, for example, vacancy might have been 5%. It'll be running at 5%. You'll see a spike. It might spike to 8 or 9%, and then you'll see an immediate recovery. And by immediate, I mean within a quarter, maybe two quarters, something like that and then you're right back to 5%. We talked about the fact that this is a cycle, right? So we have recessions, then we have recoveries, and then we're back to growth. Well, when we start to move into that, we've got some Class B tenants that they're going to move out. Some of them are going to move to Class A, some will move uh, other lo locations. There'll be a large number that will actually go buy homes, and we're very happy for them. That's actually good for everybody if we have more home ownership. We're very excited for them to be able to do that. And we're not worried about that. And the reason why is this, is while we will have a vacancy when they move out, we also know that there are tenants living in Class C properties that would like to have the amenities we have in Class B. They'd like to have a safer neighborhood to live in. They'd like to have better schools for their children to go to, so on and so on and so on. So again, we see spikes, not long-term trends. If you look at that for Class B, that means that we're really significantly more stable than the other classes. Class A's during a downturn are going to see more of a trend line from that standpoint, and the recovery really has to wait for the recovery for them. Class C's, well, they'll have some B tenants that'll move down during a recession. When there is new growth, they'll see tenants that'll vacate, and they won't necessarily have people that'll be able to come in and replace right away. At least that's been the experience that we've had so far. Let's take a look at all of those factors. We think Class Bs have significant 
opportunities in terms of return from a balanced standpoint, balanced cash and balanced equity growth. That value-add opportunities are more available in the Class B space, which, again, increases return. That there is a significant delta between the supply for Class B and the demand in Class B, and that that's a very difficult supply to actually increase given the current economics of construction. There's a lot of Class B available, therefore there's not as much competition from an investment standpoint as there is for some of the other kinds of assets that are out there. And Class B exhibits certain stability factors that you don't see in Class C or Class A. That's why we call it the Goldilocks class. Now, I'd love to help you learn more about Class B and how we think it's the Goldilocks class. And the way to do that is to come visit us at marapoling.com. That's M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And go to the Learning Center. And at the Learning Center, you're going to find material on all sorts of different topics. Go to the page titled Eight Tips to Buy Right, and you'll find our white paper. We're going to talk not only about what kind of multifamily asset to uh, purchase, but things like how to select the right market, how to look at schools and uh, security and safety uh, for the neighborhood, how to do an analysis of the actual neighborhood, uh, a 135 as we refer to it, and a number of other lessons that you can learn from the years of experience that we have in uh, performing this asset management service for our clients. There you have it, Class A, Class B, Class C multifamily real estate, One might be too hot, one might be too cold, one might be too hard, one might be too soft, one might be too big, one might be too little. We think class B is the class that's just right. And that's what Goldilocks would invest in if she was here today. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. We appreciate you visiting us here on our podcast channels encourage you to come see us at the Learning Center at marapolling.com. We look forward to seeing you next time on Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Polling. <music>